You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show coming right up with Gavin Walker.
<laughs> well, the old Mercury Retrograde uh, CD is uh, acting up again, but uh, yeah, that's that's almost become a regular feature uh, on our show, um, the uh, theme song. I think I'm going to have to reprogram the, uh, the CD uh, all over again, as I uh, have already done once. I'm going to have to do it, obviously, again. Um, Whatever, our players are very sensitive, though, you see, so uh, they're, they can be very temperamental sometimes as well. We'd like to welcome you to the Labor Day edition of The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker, and we have lots and lots of music to play for you this evening. And before we get started, I actually, our jazz feature tonight is a very, very special album by Stan Getz. And it's called Focus, and I'll, I'll be telling you a little more about that album in a moment. But um, before we even talk about the album, I would like to uh, dedicate the show this evening to a very good friend of mine who I've known for many years. He's going through a kind of a rough patch uh, in life right now, and uh, he is uh, definitely a survivor, and he'll, he'll survive all of this. Um, if I know him so well. Anyway, um, he's very devoted to the music and has always loved jazz. Um, jazz has been a center, really, of, of uh, and good music generally has been a center of his life. And, and uh, I'd like to dedicate the program to my good friend Ken Patterson. And uh, I know that our jazz feature album is one of his favorite recordings, and it is an innovative recording. Stan Getz, of course, we all know, was one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone. Stan was, uh, had such a distinctive sound and approach to the tenor saxophone, and of course he had quite a life. Um, it's uh, really uh, it's a very interesting story. There have been several biographies um, about Stan and all kinds of uh, stories about... Um, uh, Stan Getz, that uh, you can check out his bi bio. His general bio is uh, quite detailed on uh, on the web. You can find out a lot about Stan Getz. He was actually born in 1927 and died in 1991. And uh, he was one of those musicians. He had, of course, his his trials and tribulations with substance abuse, um, heroin, alcohol. Um, other things as well, and yet, and yet, his performances over the years, even when he was at his most um, messed up, as they say, Stan never failed to deliver. His performances were incredibly consistent. His recordings were consistent, and um, he was able to resuscitate his career a couple of times when he was thought to be yesterday's man. You know, um, jazz music is, is, is an art form, but sometimes it's treated... Well, all music is entertainment, of course, but jazz music is an art form, but it's sometimes given this thing where, oh, that's passe now. You know, uh, people try and treat jazz as they do pop music and uh, say, well, you know, that was in now, now it's out, uh, this sort of thing. And jazz doesn't really um, uh, deserve that kind of treatment. And 
you can go back and play music from the 1930s that is still very advanced and would be advanced to, to ears today. And, of course, uh, some of the innovative music of, uh, of the 40s, um, 50s, 60s, etc., uh, etc., et um, is still really not at all dated. Anyway, Stan Getz was able to resuscitate his career many times and uh, was a most successful musician artistically and financially as well. Stan was, um, had moved to Europe in the late 50s, and he returned to the United States um, in actually during a very volatile period, uh, 60, uh, in the year 1960. He moved bag and baggage and family back to the United States. And, of course, at that time, Oh, Stan Getz is back. Oh, yeah, but then we have Sonny Rollins and we have John Coltrane out there. Stan Getz? Oh, yeah, well, he's kind of, you know, yesterday's man. He had to fight this. And, uh, of course, uh, (laughs) when um, it was a very interesting story, and I think I recalled it last week, or I have have recalled this story because a, a very good friend of mine was there to witness this whole thing. Stan and John Coltrane were playing um, a double bill at uh, a club in New York called the Jazz Gallery. And interestingly enough, um, when Coltrane's set was on, the place was packed with people, and mostly young African Americans. And, um, uh, of course, when Coltrane's set was over, they'd all file out, and, and the club would be about a quarter full for Stan Getz's set. All the musicians from Coltrane's band would stay, and they would listen in awe of Stan Getz. And one time, um, uh, and a, a very good friend of mine was there. Um, perhaps you know him. His name was John Handy, and he told me the story. John, of course, being one of the leading alto saxophone players in the world, was living in New York at the time. And he was there the night uh, that uh, a whole group of young um, jazz fans, um, mostly African-American jazz fans, came in. They listened to Coltrane, of course, uh, the set, and then they proceeded to head toward the exit door after uh, because Stan was up next. And uh, Coltrane got off the bandstand and uh, confronted them and said, how come you guys are leaving? You're going to miss something great. And they said, well, you know, Stan Getz, man, you know, like... The, you know, there's nothing happening there anymore, you know. And, and Coltrane looked at the young, all the young men and said in a very loud voice um, so that he could be heard, he said, you know, we saxophone players, and he also looked at John Handy as well, uh, we saxophone players would love to even play half as good as Stan Getz. And, of course, all these young men kind of, this was John Coltrane speaking. All these young men kind of opened their eyes, and 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 and, uh, and, and, and Train said, "You know, like you, you really should stay. It's not going to cost you anything extra. Why don't you stay and check them out? My band is." And um, <laughs> they all went back into the club and sat down and listened to Stan Getz's set. And of course, they all thanked later on. Um, uh, they thanked John Coltrane for turning them on to Stan because they thoroughly enjoyed it. So it it took somebody like that to kind of turn heads. And 
they came back the following night. This, this basically the same group came back the following night. I think they came back for three nights in a row to catch not only Train, but to hear Stan Getz as well and his band. So that's uh, just took a, a little bit of encouragement there. Anyhow, Stan, during this time, made this innovative record. And this is, the, this is what we're really into this evening. This is a record called Focus. Stan had um, talked to a composer that he admired, a gentleman by the name of Eddie Sauter. And Eddie was um, kind of one of the background guys. He was an arranger, composer, and not a big name in jazz, but very, very respected within the music business. And Stan knew him as being a very creative um, uh, person. And he said, you know, do you, do you think you could write something for me? And Eddie did. He came up with seven compositions written for a string section. And violins, violas, cellos, etc. And left room in those compositions for Stan Getz to play. And when Eddie completed that, he contacted Stan and he said, we've got, uh, we booked a studio, let's, let's try this stuff. And of course, Stan was totally amazed by the, by the string compositions, which kind of stand on their own. And um, he attempted to uh, um, play and, and, and fill up the spaces that, that the composer left. And, of course, there was, um, they tried everything. They tried cues. They tried writing out uh, parts for Stan to sort of enter in, all kinds of stuff. And nothing seemed to work. They kind of said, oh, I don't think this is going to work. They tried a couple of times, and of course it cost money to rent a studio and all this sort of stuff. So Stan had an idea. He said, give me a good tape of all the compositions, and I can take this stuff home and listen to it. I've got some gigs with my, with my uh, small group. Um, I can listen to it on the road. I can, I can do that and, and kind of get uh, the compositions into my head so I know everything about them, and, and, and I'll listen to them. So that's what happened. So this went on for uh, several months. Stan had the tapes of these seven compositions, and he listened to them. And he contacted uh, Eddie once again, and they booked the studio um, for a brief rehearsal. And Stan said, you know, I don't want cues. I don't want I don't want written music. I don't want anything. I'm just going to improvise. I'm just going to use my ear to, to fill in, to play over these compositions. And Sauter said, well, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think that's going to work. And Stan said, leave it to me. So that's what happened. And it worked. And it worked beautifully. And so, therefore, um, they, they booked formal studio time uh, and over a period of about three sessions, recorded this marvelous album of Stan Getz using his musical ear to improvise over these strings. And that's how it worked out. No cues, nothing. It was Stan's musical instincts. The album was produced and put out very quickly to huge 
critical acclaim, and the album sold very well. And uh, to right to the end of his life, this was Stan Getz. This album was Stan Getz's Pride and Joy. Um, after the album came out, uh, amazing critical acclaim, and everybody just raved about the uh, this innovative album. Um, a tour was apparently set up, and uh, but never materialized, because during the, uh, <laughs> during the interim, Stan made an album with guitarist Charlie Bird called Jazz Samba, and it really introduced the bossa nova to the American public. And this album sold like a pop album did. And, of course, it resuscitated Stan's career, and he had to focus on that. And so the album focus kind of um, not was forgotten, but uh, was kind of put in the background, and the tour never materialized. Toward the end of his life, Stan was asked to maybe redo this album or revisit the album because these uh, string arrangements were still available and playable. Uh, any, any good string section could uh, read the music and interpret them. As a matter of fact, if Stan came to Vancouver, he could use members of the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra to do uh, the play, play the string parts. Anyway, Stan... Um, didn't hesitate at all. He said, no. He said, that album is for all time. I am not going to revisit it. I don't want to revisit it. It's what it is, and I'm not going to do it. And he never did. So we have this album called Focus. It was all completed in 1961 with this wonderful string section. Uh, Eddie Sauter wasn't a particularly good conductor, so he brought in a friend of his to conduct the string orchestra, a man named Hershey Kay. And uh, so it's a string section. I'm not going to tell you all the names of the string players, but there's violins, cellos, and, and, and violas. And on one tune, the first tune we're going to hear, drummer Roy Haynes, who was a regular, who was in Stan's small group, uh, does some amazing work on the first and most exciting track of this album, or one of the most exciting tracks, a great opening track. And uh, that's how this album evolved. It was actually uh, very simple, but it's still one of the most innovative albums of a jazz soloist and a string section, and it stands on its own, and we're going to hear it right now. The pieces of music, um, as I said, all the string uh, compositions which stand on their own were written by Eddie Sauter. And Stan Getz is the soloist, and the conductor of the orchestra is Hershey Kay. And on the first track, Roy Haynes adds some amazing drumming to make this track very exciting. So we open with a composition called I'm Late, I'm Late. The second piece of music is a very beautiful ballad called Her. And then a uh, kind of a fanciful piece uh, is track number three called Pan. And then a nostalgic kind of remembrance piece, and the perfect title for it is called I Remember When. Following that is another exciting piece called Night Rider, and then another kind of a fanciful, uh, delightful piece called Once Upon a Time. And then the final piece is dedicated to the short and beautiful summer that we had, and it's called Merely a summer afternoon, and that's the conclusion. That's track number seven. 
So without further ado, our jazz feature this evening, Stan Getz on tenor saxophone, Eddie Sauter's compositions, Hershey Kay conducting the orchestra, and the great Roy Haynes on the first track, and the full album, Focus, that was originally issued on Verve Records, and it is a classic. Here it is, our jazz feature tonight, dedicated to my friend, Ken Patterson. Thank <laughs> you. 
That's our jazz feature this evening. An amazing recording by Stan Getz. Playing and weaving in and out so beautifully, improvising completely over the compositions for um, string section by Eddie Sauter, and one of the great uh, composer-arrangers. And the orchestra, the string orchestra, was conducted by Hershey Kay. And all of this was recorded in 1961. That's not exactly uh, a few days ago. That's a long time ago. And yet this recording somehow stands alone as a recording of um, innovation, creativity, and extreme beauty, of course, and uh, is a real tribute to the amazing talents of the one and only Stanley Getz, Stan Getz, and uh, as I mentioned before, they had all kinds of difficulties um, with how they were going to do this and um, have Getz uh, play um, in and out of the strings, and um, as I said before, Stan had this idea. He said, just make a tape of the seven compositions, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll listen to it as often as I can at home, on the road, wherever I'm at. And uh, he literally memorized the music. And uh, then they came back, had a brief rehearsal, and uh, Stan said, that's it, I'm just going to play by ear. I'm just going to, I know all these compositions, I'm just going to do, do my thing. And um, the string section will play the written music. And that's how this album evolved. And of course, uh, after that rehearsal, then they went right into the studio and over about uh, three recording sessions in uh, 1961, they recorded this uh, incredible album, which was issued on Verve Records and called Focus. And um, 
you don't really need to know all the string players. Um, but the compositions were written by the great Eddie Sauter, as I mentioned, and uh, Hershey Kay. Uh, Eddie Sauter wasn't a very good conductor, um, so he hired a good friend of his, a uh, real professional, wonderful conductor by the name of Hershey Kay to keep the strings in line, and of course, Getz just played, and uh, these beautiful creations were made. Seven compositions, and uh, we opened with... Uh, probably one of the most amazing pieces of the album and a great opener. It's called I'm Late, I'm Late. And, uh, you know, the White Rabbit and Alice in Wonderland kind of had that feeling. And Roy Haynes, who was um, Stan Getz's regular drummer in his small band, at the time um, played, uh, added immensely to the excitement of the piece by uh, his great um, brushwork, Roy Haynes was added on that uh, first tune. Second tune was a very pretty thing called Her, and uh, tune number three was entitled Pan, and uh, then a very nostalgic um, piece, very beautiful piece uh, called I Remember When. And uh, then we returned to some excitement with a piece of music called Night Rider, and then a, a fanciful kind of a piece um, called Once Upon a Time, and the final piece was a very beautiful, serene piece of music entitled A Summer Afternoon. So that's our jazz feature this evening, the great Stan Getz from his album. This was his um, great creation. This was his favorite of his own albums. He was literally on hundreds of recording sessions over his long career. But this album stood alone. And uh, this was the album that he was most proud of, and of course, justifiably so. And as I mentioned before, toward, I think, a couple of years before his, the end of his life, he died in 1991, uh, he was asked, uh, the string parts were um, in his possession, and uh, he was asked to, um, about the possibility of revisiting the album, and uh, he said no. It stands on its own. The, the beauty is in that album, and uh, I don't, I'm not interested in, in recreating uh, or revisiting the album. Definitely not, and he didn't. And so we have this gorgeous album. Uh, to remember the talents of Eddie Sauter, who wrote the string parts, and Stan Getz, of course, who played the tenor saxophone. Our jazz feature this evening, and uh, as I mentioned before, dedicated to a good friend of mine, a gentleman by the name of Ken Patterson. Hope it makes uh, makes you feel a little better. And uh, I know you've been going through a particularly rough patch in life, but uh, we all do, and uh, you will survive. I know that for sure. All right. We're going to continue. We're going to tell you, of course, that you are listening to CITR. FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And my name's Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show. And for the next 12 minutes or so, we're going to hear some Charlie Parker recorded live. Now, this, these uh, performances are different from what Charlie Parker did in the recording studio. In the recording studios in, in 
his day in the 40s, three minutes long, um, basically. You didn't really have much of a chance to stretch out. It's not that these recordings are long, but uh, they do, um, uh, they are a little longer than your standard um, three minute recordings. And this was done um, at a club in New York which was featuring modern jazz, and Charlie Parker was right at home there. The club was called the Royal Roost, and um, interestingly enough, there were radio broadcasts from um, a lot of the jazz clubs in New York, and of course people um, were at home and listened to these things and so on. There was a young man who uh, was from a rather privileged family, and um, he recorded. He had um, um, recording equipment, which of course had, in those days was very, very expensive and of course a very, very high quality radio. And he recorded uh, a lot of these broadcasts. Uh, he was a devoted jazz fan and he loved modern jazz. Uh, a lot of people didn't, but he was one of the ones that did. His name was Boris Rose. And um, as I mentioned before, he came from a very wealthy family. So he was uh, Kind of, uh, and and he was a loner, um, and he just loved to listen to these broadcasts, and he recorded them, and he also put out. Uh, he was able to uh, press his own discs. He had uh, the equipment to do that, and uh, he did this, and then sold the records under the table to some of the big uh, stores in New York, and they were of course bootleg records, but the stores bought them. And to their very special customers, they said, you know, we've got some Charlie Parker here, blah, blah, blah. Um, would you be interested in buying them? Uh, we've, we've only got a limited copies of these things, so uh, yeah, get them while they're hot. And, um, of course, uh, eventually these um, – we have to thank Boris Rose for documenting so much incredible music, which wasn't available before. And, of course, these recordings have um, uh, now, you know, come into um, recording companies and, and have been put out. And, of course, it's very important um, to have these recordings. So this is a broadcast from the Royal Roost. And uh, you do hear the voice of the host of the show, the great Symphony Sid. Uh, he, he chimes in after one of the tunes. So you hear his dulcet tones. But this is Charlie Parker's working band, and uh, they're all in top form right on this date. It was recorded January 15th, 1949, in New York City at the Royal Roost. And we have Kenny Dorham on trumpet, who took Miles Davis's place in the band, the great KD, who was, uh, to me, the uncrowned king of the trumpet, the great Al Haig on piano, Tommy Potter on bass, and Max Roach on drums. This was Charlie Parker's working band of the time. I'm going to hear three tunes. We open with uh, um, Charlie Parker's Scrapple from the Apple, and then a co-composition by Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker called Bebop. And the final tune was the great version of Tad Dameron's uh, modern jazz anthem, a tune called Hot House. So here then is Bird in Flight live at the Royal Roost. Mm -hmm. 
Mr. Bob himself, the great Bird, Charlie Parker, and the All-Stars all with a new sound in modern progressive jazz. And right now, one you all remember that Bird, Dizzy, and Al Haig made, and Curly Russell, long time ago for Gill, the thing called Hot House.
Three tunes from a late-night broadcast, January 15th, 1949, from a club in New York City called The Royal Roost, and it was the home of uh, Charlie Parker and his working band at the time. And we heard, of course, Charlie Parker on alto saxophone, along with Kenny Dorham on trumpet, Al Haig on piano, Tommy Potter on bass, and Max Roach on drums. And we heard three tunes. Uh, we opened with uh, Scrapple from the Apple, written by Charlie Parker, and then a really up-tempo, complex tune written by Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie entitled Bebop. And then we heard the dulcet tones of uh, <laughs> the great uh, DJ uh, Symphony Sid, of course, who was a huge backer of uh, modern jazz and really presented it to... Uh, uh, a lot of New Yorkers, and uh, he was very popular. And um, so we heard his voice, and he introduced the uh, the final tune, which, of course, was Tad Dameron's modern jazz anthem called Hot House. And uh, we heard Bird in Flight, and, of course, um, a much more animated and uh, spontaneous Charlie Parker than what we usually hear on uh, those three-minute recordings that he did. And uh, these great broadcast recordings, as I mentioned before, were um, recorded by a young New Yorker who loved modern jazz, and he, he recorded these broadcasts from home. And his name was Boris Rose, and we owe him a great deal um, that uh, these recordings have, of course, become mainstream. All right, Charlie Parker, the one and only and perhaps maybe the only jazz musician that can be truly referred to as a genius. And uh, that's debated by a lot of people, but uh, there's a lot of people that uh, firmly believe in that, including myself. All right. We'll be back. We have a couple of important announcements, and we're going to be back with one of the great Canadian bands that have just gotten back together. And I'm going to be playing some music from um, an album which has not yet been officially released. And the band is called Metalwood. And that comprises of uh, a couple of uh, wonderful musicians. Um, one of them especially is one of the best-known musicians from Vancouver. I'm talking about Brad Turner. And uh, there's some other folks on here I'll tell you uh, all about the album in uh, a very few moments. But uh, we're just going to have some announcements, and we'll be right back with some music by Metalwood from their reunion band called 20. And the reason for that is that they actually have been together uh, for 20 years, but they haven't played together for many, many years. And they've just come together, and they're going to be playing for an unprecedented three nights in a row at Frankie's Jazz Club this coming weekend. But we'll tell you more about that in a very few moments. Just to remind you, you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're also on your computer at citr.ca. Check us out. Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, I'm uh, I'm on the guest list. Yeah. Who is the headliner here tonight? Yeah, I'm on their list. I'm on their list. Oh, well, I should be on there, so... Looking for that cool band buzz? Um, uh, 
Jeez, I don't know what to tell you. Shindig is CITR's annual battle of the bands. Every year, Vancouver bands compete for prizes including studio time, festival spots, media coverage, promotions, and more. We are now accepting submissions. Please send your demo of original material of at least three songs to shindig.submissions at gmail.com. Contact info must include your email and phone number. All genres welcome. Join a 33-year-old legacy of great Vancouver music. For more info, find the CITR Shindig page on Facebook. listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamedem-speaking Musqueam people. summer gone huh suddenly <laughs> closed the door and uh, summer went by so fast anyway and uh, we did have some really wonderful weather but uh, it uh, it just seemed to go by in a flash and of course that's uh, that's the way our world is now it's uh, everything's very very fast paced and of course the older we get the faster it goes you know i can tell you that from experience anyway um, the actual weather forecast, the official forecast uh, for tonight is uh, cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower. And then later on, periods of rain uh, overnight with lows of 13. And then tomorrow is going to be mainly cloudy with a 30%. The, ra- the, the, the periods of rain are going to ease off. And then it's just going to be a mainly cloudy day tomorrow with a 30% chance of a shower. Low of 13, high of 18. Wednesday, cloudy with a 70% chance of a shower with a low of 13, high of 16. Um, Then cloudy for Thursday, low of 13, high of 19. Then Friday, uh, some scattered showers, 40% chance of that with uh, temperatures between 12 and 18. And Saturday, pretty well the same. And then Sunday is going to be a mix of sun and cloud, a low of 12 and a high of 18. So cooling off quite rapidly and... uh, I know some folks out in uh, Abbotsford and Chilliwack, um, they've had to turn their, (laughs) it seemed that summer disappeared very quickly out there, and uh, um, a friend of mine actually lives in Chilliwack, and he said he had to turn his furnace on um, because he was so cold (laughs) in his condo. So there you go. So um, all of a sudden, summer just went whoop. But, you know, I have a feeling and uh, from what I understand from the long-range forecast, that we're going to um, we're going to get some more summer around the middle of September. So um, um, wait for it. <laughs> we're all going to be so busy by that time that we're just going to have to be rushing around in the sun. But anyway, that'll be nice. All right, enough of the weather, and uh, we're going to get back to music. This time, Metalwood. Now, I'd just like to tell you that they are going to be appearing, and reservations are strongly advised because they will be here 
um, at Frankie's for three nights. And Frankie's, of course, is located down on Beatty Street, right across the street from BC Place. And what you do uh, to make reservations and make sure that you're, you're going to get seats because it's going to be packed out. This is a legendary band, and it's going to be packed out three nights this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, you're going to need reservations, really. So the best thing to do is get onto the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. Um, they're um, the backers of uh, Frankie's Jazz Club. And you can make reservations uh, right on that site and uh, do all that kind of stuff that you need to do. And um, it's very easy. Just get onto your computers and, and do that. Metalwood. Um, basically, the three-day engagement here in Vancouver will also be a CD release party. And I have in my hot little hands a copy of the CD, which is going to be released on the Seller Live label. And the band includes, um, originally from the Maritimes, but of course been a resident of Toronto for so many years, one of the great um, tenor saxophonists, in the country, I'm talking about Mike Murley. And, of course, I'm playing piano, and he's a triple threat guy. Uh, he's going to be playing piano, various other electronic instruments, uh, the triton, and the trumpet, of course. And that's Vancouver's own Brad Turner. Um, another, they're all original members of the band. And on bass, on electric bass, and he's one of the finest in North America, he... Um, Spent a lot of time here in Vancouver, but moved to New York City, where he has been for the last uh, several years. I'm talking about Chris Terry, and Chris is on electric bass here. And a very fine and very dynamic drummer who also lives in New York City, originally from Ottawa. And I'm talking about the uh, fabulous Ian Froman on drums. And those are the members of um, Metalwood. And uh, this band has been together a while, began many, many years ago. And um, uh, they won a Juno Award uh, for their very first album. And, of course, uh, they, they put out a few subsequent uh, recordings. But um, in the last few years, they've all gone their separate ways. And they decided um, recently to get together again, and the magic was still there. And they decided to make this album and do a whole tour. And, of course, uh, their appearance at Frankie's is, is part of that tour. And, of course, this is a very legendary band. And this album, called 20, which celebrates the amount of time they've been actually together, um, is, I think, their finest recorded statement so far. This album was produced by Chris Terry, and Brad Turner, and of course uh, recorded in January and February of this year. And uh, it will be released um, during their engagement, and this album will be for sale for their three-night engagement at Frankie's. So we're going to begin, uh, once again, Mike Murley on uh, tenor and soprano saxophones, Brad Turner on piano, triton, and trumpet, Chris Terry on electric bass, and Ian Froman on drums. We're going to hear three compositions. The first one is called The Past Before You, and uh, it's the opening track of the album, and it was written by Chris uh, Terry. 
And the second tune we're going to hear is uh, another tune by Chris Terry called Gargantua. And the third tune is written by Brad Turner and is called simply Good Things. So a trio of tunes by one of the great Canadian um, bands, Metalwood. Hope you enjoy the music. I know you will.
We heard four tunes from this uh, wonderful album, which will be um, sold at the uh, CD release party this weekend at Frankie's. And, of course, the band is the legendary Canadian orchestra, Metalwood. And um, it featured Mike Murley on uh, basically tenor saxophone, plays soprano as well. Brad Turner on piano, tritone, and trumpet. Uh, Chris Terry on electric bass. And the dynamic Ian Froman on drums. And this uh, innovative, very creative band, um, they hadn't played together for years and years. They all had uh, separate things to do, and they decided um, basically just for the hell of it to get back together again and see whether the original chemistry of this band still existed, and uh, it existed um, even better than before. And this album is, uh, I consider it, their their finest statement uh, yet. And uh, I think everyone uh, in the band would ag- agree with me on that, too. It was, it was very special chemistry between all these guys. And um, the band was actually uh, created right here in Vancouver and um, by these musicians who live in various parts of Canada and the United States. And um, this uh, album was recorded uh, in the early part of this year uh, and uh, produced by um, Chris Terry and Brad Turner. And executive uh, producer was uh, Corey Weeds. And the album um, will be issue- has been issued on the Cellar Live series. And um, this band will be appearing uh, unprecedented three-day engagement this coming weekend at Frankie's. Frankie's Jazz Club on Beatty Street. Uh, 
And as I mentioned before, you can get onto the Coastal Jazz and Blues uh, website and make reservations because the place is going to be packed to the rafters. This is a legendary band, and I'm sure everyone will want to uh, get down there and uh, uh, reacquaint themselves with uh, these great musicians. We heard um, four tunes from this album called 20, which celebrates their 20th anniversary, uh, even though they have been apart for a long time. Uh, it's still an anniversary. And um, we heard um, a Chris Terry composition to open the set called The Past Before You, and then another Terry composition called Gargantua, and then we went to a Brad Turner composition called Good Things, and uh, the final tune was written by saxophonist Mike Murley and entitled Extra Salty. So that was Metalwood. Mike Murley on uh, soprano and tenor saxophone, Brad Turner on piano, triton on, and trumpet, Chris Terry on electric bass, and Ian Froman on drums. So uh, don't miss um, any of those three nights. At, uh, at Frankie's, Frankie's Jazz Club on Beattie Street, right across the street from BC Place. And if you haven't been there, it's a very comfortable spot, um, good food and uh, great service and wonderful acoustics. And, of course, the sight lines are great. Wherever you sit in the club, you'll be able to, to, to um, observe the band. And, of course, the sound is really top-notch at that club. So there you go. All right. We'll be back in a very few minutes. I'm going to tell you uh, what is going to come up next. It's actually going to be the very first recording session or very first two recording sessions that a young man by the name of Sonny Rollins was on back in 1949, and he was only 19 years old at the time. These are his very first uh, ventures in the recording studio. And I'll give you more details in a few moments. We have a few things to tell you about, including the fact that uh, this is CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show, and we'll be right back. Every weekday from Tuesday, September the 6th to Wednesday, September the 14th, CITR will be hosting Live at Lunch, a live concert series taking place right outside the UBC Nest. Come by to see some of Vancouver's best bands play for free or tune in to CITR 101.9 FM to hear the show. Featuring Les Chosettes, Mesa Luna, Ashley Shadow, Devours, Hazy, Mirepoix, and Mayor Patineau. That's every weekday between September 6th and 14th, live outside the UBC Nest and on air at CITR 101.9 FM. Brought to you by the UBC AMS and CITR. And also thanks to the sponsors, Scotiabank, TD, Milk West, Y Yoga, Sage, and Evo. Lunch is served. Are you interested in Indigenous issues? Do you get ticked off with ongoing colonization? Do you have something to say? 
Or do you want to learn more? We have just the thing. Join UBC's first ever Indigenous Radio Collective at CITR Radio, Unceded Musqueam Territories. Our show, Unceded Airwaves, airs every Monday from 11 to 12, and we meet from 12 to 1 to plan our upcoming shows. We're interested in content covering various things from film to literature, current day politics, history, whatever you want to talk about, we're into it. Everyone welcome, Indigenous and non-Indigenous. All right. I'd like to uh, just remind you of two great websites to go on to. And, of course, I did mention the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, um, that as pertaining to uh, Frankie's. But that website covers everything that they do. It's an excellent and up-to-date website. You can just check it out and uh, do all kinds of things on it. That's coastaljazz.ca. Of course, another fine website is the website called vancouverjazz.com, and that's put together by my old friend Brian Nation. And uh, that's also a very, very fine and up-to-date website, too. All kinds of links on that one. And uh, just one more brief thing. I'd like to mention my good friend Ken Speller, who is a wonderful musician and has a business called Music at Home. And um, he's going to be very busy this fall because uh, he's got lots of clients. He'll come to your house and uh, give you lessons on uh, saxophone, the flute, the clarinet, and uh, uh, advise you on how to rent or buy a good instrument or, uh, or, and or keep your instrument in shape, which is very important, especially uh, uh, for those um, woodwind instruments, clarinets, saxophones, flutes. They all have a lot of moving parts. And Ken is an excellent repairman as well. Uh, he has his uh, workshop, his repair workshop, right in his home. So he doesn't have the big overhead, and he's very, very reasonably priced. So Ken can be reached at 778-800-1933. That's 778-800-1933 by telephone, of course. And... Uh, he is also um, available via email, which is kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. kspeller, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. We're going to take you back, way back, to a recording session, January 20th, 1949. Interestingly enough, on this record is an old friend of... Uh, Vancouver's, and an old friend of mine and a gentleman who I much admired. Linton Garner is the pianist on here, and he was responsible for some of the arrangements, uh, or for the arrangements on these two tunes. Linton Garner, of course, uh, I remember asking him about this recording session, and uh, he remembered it quite well, and and he said, you know, um, uh, Sonny Rollins, it was his very first time in the recording studio, and he was very nervous. And um, but he said when as soon as uh, the music started and as soon as he started to play the, that he said that nervousness really disappeared because as soon as he put the saxophone in his mouth he was at home and um, Sonny Rollins was 19 years old on this recording session and this was his first now these are two novelty items for the time and the leader is the legendary Lee Brown who became better known 
as Babs Gonzalez. Babs Gonzalez was one of the great characters of jazz. He was a singer, raconteur, storyteller. Um, he, he was um, an amazing, uh, just a jazz character. And he was well loved uh, around the scene. He was he was quite a guy. He was sort of a combination of lots of things. I said rac raconteur, singer, con man, um, street guy, all this sort of stuff. Babs Gonzalez was there, and um, I wouldn't say he was a great artist or anything, but he was he was very creative and also very funny. And we're going to hear his his vocalizing because he was the leader on on these sessions. He put he put this band together, and in the band, uh, what a stellar bunch of uh, musicians on trombones: Benny Green and J.J. Johnson, two of the greatest, and Julius Watkins on French horn. An alto saxophone player plays in the ensembles by the name of Jordan Forden. <laughs> that's that, that's his name, and Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone. His first recording date. Linton Garner, as I mentioned, is on piano, Arthur Phipps on bass, and Jack the Bear Parker on drums, and the, the, the vocals, of course, and the tunes are written by Babs Gonzalez, and Linton Garner did the arrangements. So here are uh, two tunes. Uh, actually, we're going to play four tunes. We're going to move to, we're going to go from this session done in January 49 to... One done in April with some different people, but still including Sonny Rollins. And uh, I'll tell you the personnel uh, of the second session after we, uh, after we hear the music. So basically we're going to hear four tracks, and Sonny is on all of them, and he solos on all of them. So just listen to that distinctive tenor saxophone. The first tune we're going to hear is called Capitalizing because it was written, uh, um, they were recording for Capitol Records. And the second tune is called Professor Bop, both composed by Babs Gonzalez. Then uh, tune number three is um, the arrangement of uh, St. Louis Blues, written by W.C. Handy. And the final tune is another Babs Gonzalez creation called Real Crazy. So this is uh, really great and fun stuff, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Here we go with capitalizing. <laughs> Loop, loop, 
blah blah wee blue, then you then you blah bee bop. We're bopping Mr. Handy's too. Blah blah wee blue, then you then you blah bee bop. Blah blah wee blue, then you then you blah bee bop. Bopping Mr. Handy's too. Da 
The irrepressible Babs Gonzalez, and of course he was the uh, the singer and the creator of uh, most of those pieces, and. The important thing about that music, well, of course, the novelty and entertainment value of it, but the, um, the important thing is the fact that uh, the first two tunes were Sonny Rollins' very, very first recordings. He's 19 years old and really nervous until he put the horn in his mouth and sounded sounded great. And um, the first two tunes were recorded January 20th, 1949, and um, my dear friend Linton Garner was the arranger on those, and he played the piano. And Linton, of course, uh, was a mainstay of uh, Vancouver's scene here for many, many years. Played at Rossini's and uh, Four Seasons and contributed greatly to uh, the jazz scene here in Vancouver. And we miss him dearly. Anyway, he's the pianist on here. Art Phipps on bass, Jack the Bear Parker on drums. And two great trombone players, the smooth-sounding Benny Green and the wonderful J.J. Johnson. They both solos on, soloed on those pieces. And Julius Watkins is in there on French horn. And um, playing in the section is an uh, alto saxophonist named Jordan Forden. And, of course, uh, as I mentioned before, a young Sonny Rollins. The, next, the first uh, two tunes we heard were Capitalizing and Professor Bop, both composed by Babs Gonzalez. The second session took place April 27, 1949, and a slightly different personnel. J.J. Johnson is still on board on trombone, Alberto Socaris on flute, Don Redman playing soprano saxophone, and once again, Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone. He gets two solos on both of those pieces. And um, one of the very early recordings by Winton Kelly, uh, who became one of the most uh, amazing piano players in jazz music. Bruce Lawrence was the bass player, and Roy Haynes on drums, and, of course, Babs Gonzalez on the vocals. Uh, of the second part, uh, we heard the St. Louis Blues, done Babs Gonzalez style, and the second tune was a thing called Real Crazy, and that was uh, based on the chord progressions of uh, the standard Indiana and uh, created, of course, by Babs Gonzalez. So a couple of very, very early recordings with Sonny Rollins on them. Just still a teenager. And, of course, Sonny Rollins is still very much with us and uh, very much a legend in music, too. I'm going to turn now to some great sounds by Big John Patton from an album called Got a Good Thing Going. And John Patton, of course, is a master was a master of the Hammond organ with the amazing Grant Green on guitar and a fine drummer by the name of Hugh Walker and Richard 
Landrum on conga drums. We're going to hear two tunes from this uh, Blue Note album called Got a Good Thing Going. We're going to hear a Big John Patton, Grant Green co-composition called Soul Woman. And um, tune number two will be written by Duke Pearson. It's a great uh, composition by his, and it's called Amanda. So here then is Big John Patton on the Hammond organ, along with Grant Green on guitar and company.
One of the great Hammond organ players, the late Big John Patton, along with uh, guitarist Grant Green, Hugh Walker on drums, and Richard Landrum on conga drums. This is a recorded for Blue Note, and it, it, the album is called Got a Good Thing Going, Big John Patton. And a um, couple of cooking tunes. The first one we heard was a John Patton, Grant Green composition called Soul Woman. And the second tune we heard was called Amanda, and that was written by pianist Duke Pearson. A great tune. All recorded in April of 1966. Now we're really going to change the pace here and play one of the most amazing... Um, I did this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, i just like to repeat it again. This is Sun Ra and his orchestra. Um... But the main feature in here, of course, Sun Ra is playing the piano, along with Ronnie Boykins on bass and Clifford Jarvis on drums. And uh, there's other people in the band, Marshall Allen, Pat Patrick on um, alto and baritone saxophone, respectively, uh, Robert Cummings on baritone clarinet, Teddy Nance, Ali Hassan on trombones. Um, and, of course, uh, th these are all... Uh, members of uh, Sun Ra's Solar Orchestra. And this essentially is a feature for John Gilmore, and the tune is called Dancing Shadows. And uh, Gilmore delivers uh, an incredible tenor saxophone solo on here. John Gilmore uh, is one of my favorite players, and uh, he makes liberal use of the whole tone scale in this, uh, in this long solo. And um, Gilmore, of course, was uh, one of those musicians who uh, was an influence uh, on John Coltrane as well. And um, Gilmore recorded um, very little outside of the Sun Ra uh, circle, but uh, when he did, um, he always uh, made a major contribution. He uh, played with uh, Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers for a period of time in 1964. He actually took Wayne Shorter's place in that band and then left and went back. He was devoted to Sun Ra and uh, played with him right up to his, uh, his death. But uh, this solo is incredible, and it's an excerpt uh, from the album. It was recorded in May of 1966, and to this day is still one of the most amazing tenor saxophone solos I've ever heard. John Gilmore with Sun Ra.
That was Canadian-born trumpeter. He's born in Toronto, actually. Kenny Wheeler, the great, late Kenny Wheeler from a very, very fine album called All the More. And that, of course, was a Kenny Wheeler composition that was so typical of his writing. And uh, he was still playing beautifully on this date, which was done in 1993 for the uh, Soul Note label in, uh, out of Milan, Italy. And it featured Kenny on uh, flugelhorn, along with the great late John Taylor on piano, Furio Di Castri on bass, and Joe LaBarbera on drums. And that tune was entitled Mark Time. And before that, we heard this long, convoluted, and wonderful tenor saxophone solo by John Gilmore, um, a mainstay in the Sun Ra Orchestra, with uh, Sun Ra playing the piano and Ronnie Boykins on bass and Clifford Jarvis on drums. And we heard a little bit from the band as well. And that was um, Sun Ra, of course, always uh, segued all of his pieces together. So uh, we just kind of faded in and faded out. But that uh, composition that we heard was entitled Dancing Shadows and uh, the great John Gilmore on tenor saxophone. We'll uh, return in a moment. We'd just like to tell you that, uh, of course, you're listening to CITR. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. The CM, the CIA, think I'm Queen Ansep. Hide, go CM, the CM, the CIA, and the Sakhalia to lead to Homer's Queen Mustaleh. You like friends? Well, we like you. So become a member and get a Friends of CITR card. Not only does it make you special, it gets you all kinds of deals with our friends downtown, like 10% off at Bang On T-shirts, Beat Street Records, Studio Records, Community Thrift and Vintage, The Fall Tattooing, and more. Visit CITR.ca for more, or come check us out in the nest. We're going to hear two tunes now by a great band called The Four Souls. It's actually drummer Lenny McBrown and his band. So it's Lenny McBrown and The Four Souls. So it's a quintet. And that was a short-lived band uh, on the West Coast uh, when drummer Lenny McBrown was, uh, was living in Los Angeles. And uh, they recorded a couple of albums. And uh, it's really, really uh, a nice together band but uh um in in the jazz world they never went that far and uh, of course lenny mcbrown moved back to new york and so on and so forth but um this band was together for a couple of years in the los angeles area and it featured don sleet very very fine trumpet player uh on piano terry trotter on bass jimmy bond and of course lenny mcbrown on drums and the very talented Daniel Jackson from San Diego on tenor saxophone. And Daniel Jackson was the musical director of this band. We're going to hear two Daniel Jackson compositions. Um, this was from their Riverside album called Eastern Lights. And uh, we're going to hear uh, the first composition by Daniel Jackson is called Saudi. 
like Saudi Arabia. And uh, the second tune is the title track from this album, and it's called Eastern Lights. Now, unfortunately, um, the, these guys were supposed to go um, back east to New York and, and, and so on and so forth, but they, they never made it. But they did play in the Los Angeles area uh, and in San Francisco and uh, survived for a couple of years and then, uh, and then disbanded. But they did two albums, one for Pacific Jazz and the second one for uh, Riverside Records. And this is from the Riverside album. So Saudi and the um, title track called Eastern Lights.
Two tunes from a band, a short-lived band, sad to say, very tight, very nice band, uh, from Los Angeles. And that was Lenny McBrown and the Four Souls. And um, it's kind of interesting. Um, there was uh, some comments um, made about this band because two of the... Uh, Lenny called it, uh, it was the time of uh, kind of uh, militancy among the African-American community and so on and so forth. And uh, three of the guys in the band, of course, are um, African-American. The bassist, Jimmy Bond, um, Daniel Jackson, the tenor saxophonist, and of course, Lenny McBrown himself. And uh, Don Sleet, the trumpeter, and Terry Trotter uh, are Caucasians. And um, apparently there was some controversy about this, uh, calling themselves the Four Souls. Lenny McBrown and the Four Souls uh, caused a little bit of consternation in the uh, African-American community. But uh, Lenny McBrown survived the, <laughs> survived the politics. And, uh, you know, it's amazing uh, uh, how sensitive uh, people can get and about some very small thing. It's nothing to do with uh, with the music. The music of this band was great, and and uh, they did do two very fine albums, one for Pacific Jazz and uh, this one we heard for uh, Riverside Records. And um, I guess they were in existence for about a year and a half. Great little band. Um, Daniel Jackson on tenor saxophone, who did all of the arrangements for the band. Don Sleet on trumpet, Terry Trotter on piano, uh, Jimmy Bond on bass, and Lenny McBrown, the leader, on drums. We heard two tunes, both written by Daniel Jackson. The first one was called Saudi, and the second one was a title track from this uh, Riverside album called Eastern Lights. And that's it for the jazz show this evening. We, we uh, hope you enjoyed the music, and um, at least were around for a part of the show, or if you're around for the whole show, great, congratulations. Next week, of course, we're back to school, back to work. Uh, we're into the fall mode. And we're going to have two jazz features, uh, one next week and one the week after, which, which are kind of entertainment and education at the same time. We do this every year. Uh, those of you that have never heard these, um, I think you'll really enjoy them. They're, they're quite educational. Those of you that have heard them, there's always something new to be uh, gleaned from these. And we do this every year at this time. And the two features, um, we begin the jazz features next week with um, the great Cannonball Adderley. Julian Adderley is going to uh, narrate a history of jazz. And, of course, it's limited by time, uh, but it does give you an idea of how Jazz music started and evolved, and it takes you up to about uh, uh, most of the important developments in the music. It takes you up to about 1960. And, um, you know, uh, that doesn't mean that it's uh, um, not valuable. It is a valuable uh, educational tool. And uh, Cannibal Adderley, of course, is... uh, you know, such a good speaker and informal, and it's fun to listen to him uh, carry on about uh, some of the historical aspects of the music. So basically, it's a history of jazz, not up to uh, approximately 1960, uh, narrated by uh, 
Julian Adderley. So it gives you an idea of the, some of the early history of jazz music. So it is still a, a valuable document. And uh, we will be doing that uh, next week. And then the following week is a little different analysis of jazz music, and it's done by the great maestro Leonard Bernstein. And um, it uh, takes into uh, some of the technical aspects of jazz music, and it's also a very fun kind of experience to, uh, to hear. And uh, even if you've listened to these things before, um, they're still very valuable. So that's going to be next week and the week after the jazz features. We'd like to thank you very much for being out there this evening on behalf of myself, Gavin Walker, and, of course, The Jazz Show uh, on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Take care, and we'll see you in seven days' time. And uh, welcome back to the world of uh, work, school, all that kind of stuff. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.